This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hello and welcome to Ask the Squiz, our weekend stroll through the burning questions that squizzes have about the 2022 election. I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It has been a huge week in election land since we were last here answering questions from squizzes. We've had two leaders' debates and a whole lot of politicking. Yeah, we sure have. And those issues of character certainly came through in those debates. And don't you just love that awkward question that usually comes up (laughs) in one of those debates that we have? Uh, Say something nice about your (laughs) opponent. (laughs) But uh, in what happened, um, the pair were pretty genuine, I reckon. Morrison nominated nominated Albanese's humble beginnings and never forgetting where he came from, while Albanese said that he admired Morrison's absolute commitment to Australia. It's an awkward question, but I actually kind of love it. It's a bit of a forced interaction, but it's uh, it's always interesting what they do come up with. Also this week, a fair bit on the policy front and on the polls. Labor is still significantly ahead in the polls. There's been none of that tightening of the race that we usually see as polling day gets closer. Maybe that's still to come. We will see. But as for the questions that Squizzes had for us, there's a theme on these ones this week, and it's all about getting ready to vote. So let's dive in. Claudine is interested in the Teal independents. They've been a real feature of this election campaign. In short, they're a group of independent candidates who have been backed by Simon Holmes Accords Climate 200 group. They aren't a party, but they do have similar platforms when it comes to issues of climate action and integrity and transparency in politics. But if we just go back to Claudia's question, she asks, will the Teal independents have a how-to-vote card on election day or are they not fussed about preference? Well, they are very fussed about preferences because they will need them if any of those candidates are going to be successful. So just to refresh your memory about what an independent candidate needs to do to get elected to the House of Reps, basically they need at least 30% of the first preference votes and then 80% of the preferences coming their way uh, before those leading major party candidates. So there's a lot for an independent to do to get elected, particularly if they're running for the first time and they may not have great name recognition. Still, Claire, it does look like some of those Teal independents are in with a chance. According to the polls that we saw last week, there are reports that Liberals Dave Sharma, Trent Zimmerman and Jason Falinski in Sydney are under pressure, as is Treasurer Josh Frydenberg and Tim Wilson in Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. And some have smaller margins than others to defend, which will also play a role in all of this too. Uh, But to answer Claudine's question, I haven't been through every Teal candidate's website, uh, but it certainly looks like what they're doing is that they aren't giving supporters a guide on how to vote at this election, other than to say, just put them first. So what does that mean in action? What it means is that if you're giving them a number one, they're really happy, but they aren't really pitching themselves to people who are going to vote number one for the Liberal bloke that they're running against. Because if you put the Liberal ahead of the Teal, your preference doesn't help that Teal candidate at all. Got you. So essentially they're running a strong just put us number one campaign. 
They do get to say that they're different, that they aren't playing the political game by horse trading with the major parties for preferences. As you say, they need as many people as possible to give them their first preference if they are going to get over the line. Continuing on with preferences, Leonard asks if there's any research that outlines if the actual preferences that are filled in on the ballot paper correspond with those how-to-vote cards that get handed out. I have scrutinied at many elections and in some very tight races. Uh, You can be there for even up to a couple of weeks uh, after an election day just watching the Electoral Commission count the votes uh, for hours and hours each day. So (laughs) you can really get your eye in as to who has filled out their ballot paper uh, according to those how-to-vote cards. So scrutineering is watching votes get counted. Sounds like a full-on process. It's much like a sporting grand final that's going into extra time, except this is for political nerds. So it's right down my alley. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty exciting, particularly in those races that are just down to a few hundred votes, even after 100,000 people have cast their ballots. But uh, to answer Leonard's question, there is some research on this. The Victorian and the South Australian Electoral Commissions have looked at a couple of elections and they say that about 45% of Labor, Liberal and National Party first preference voters follow the how to vote cards and that rate falls significantly for minor party voters. Now that could be because the major parties have more volunteers and more people to hand out how to vote cards than the minor parties. Yeah, got you. Could be a purely logistical thing. The issue of allocating preferences is also a whole thing. But as I've said before, only you can direct your preferences, not a party or a candidate. They can only suggest things on their how to vote card. It's all about how you number the boxes. But interestingly, with compulsory voting and the requirement to number every box on the ballot paper, experts say that banning how to vote cards could increase the level of informal voting, which is filling in in your ballot paper incorrectly so that it can't be counted. Claire, Kelsey has a question about fairness. She wants to know what the rules are about selecting candidates to represent seats they don't live in. She reckons that parachuting in a candidate seems kind of rough. Yeah, and there's examples of what Kelsey's talking about in this election. Uh, One significant one is in Fowler in southwestern Sydney, where former New South Wales Premier Christina Keneally has been parachuted in from the Senate to that Labor-held seat. Chris Hayes is retiring on a 14% margin, and there was a highly fancied local Labor member, Chu Lee, uh, who wanted to be pre-selected, but Keneally was backed by head office. There's also a strong independent candidate running in Fowler daily uh, and it's a seat to check in on. One to watch. It's not just a Labor issue though. The Liberals have their own parachuting issues. Vivian Lobo in Lilly in Brisbane is under investigation by the Federal Police for putting his nomination address as a rental home in Lilly, even though he doesn't live there. Yeah, no one is really pure in this. Uh, politics essentially is a team sport, uh, particularly for the major parties, and their business is winning elections. So they don't make any apologies for making those sorts of moves. But a calculation has to be made about whether voters will accept it because if they don't, you've essentially snookered yourself. Uh, But long story short, there's no requirement to live in the electorate that you represent or want to represent, but it's a risky strategy because the electorate usually likes locals. 
And as always, it's the voters who have the ultimate control here as to whether they will accept that representative as their local member. Cheryl also likes a fair contest. She asks, how can a candidate be elected under one party, then decide to become an independent? And why is this even allowed? So it is allowed. There's nothing to prevent that from happening. Uh, When that MP or senator leaves the party uh, to become an independent or to defect to another party, it's up to voters to cast their judgment at the ballot box the next time around. Us voters are the ultimate enforcers of standards. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Those politicians don't usually have a good record of re-election because voters can feel betrayed and if they go independent, they can also struggle without the resources of the big parties uh, to back their campaigns. There are those who have succeeded, however. Bob Catter is one that comes to mind. But on the other side of that coin, Craig Kelly left the Liberals to become the leader of the United Australia Party and the polls show that he will struggle to hold on to his seat of Hughes in this election. Michael has a novel question which I like a lot. I think I've referenced pencils before in this podcast. He (laughs) wants to know why is voting still done by pencil on a paper ballot? He says the last ACT election was electronic and he reckons it's a way to get quicker and clearer results. Yeah, he uses the example of trying to figure out what's a one and what's a seven on a ballot paper, and he's really (laughs) taking me back to my scrutineering (laughs) days. Uh, I had many, well, let's call them discussions about ones Mm -hmm. and sevens, and don't even get me started on sixes and eights. Uh, (laughs) So the first question, um, the Australian Electoral Commission uses pencils because they're cheaper than pens, uh, and you can use them in any climate, whether it's the humid north or the cold south uh, and they don't smudge and it's really quite genius. Um, As for e-voting, the official response is that voting over the internet isn't possible yet because there isn't a way to verify that each person's vote is accurately recorded and tallied Uh, and using machines at polling stations at this point isn't that cost effective for Australia because we're a big country and it's a national election. The pencil question reminds me of a story about NASA spending millions of dollars on engineering a writing device for astronauts to use, whereas the Russians just gave their cosmonauts pencils. Apparently it turned out to be a myth, but there is something in it nonetheless. Sometimes the simple ways really are the best. Great questions again this week. Gosh, we are getting close to the end, Claire. Questions about voting are always pretty interesting to unpack, I reckon. Yeah, and it's a good time to mention that what Australians do to vote is really quite unique internationally. So only Australia requires voters to complete a sequence of numbers for every square on the ballot paper under the rules with no allowance for error and no other country compels voters to engage with such a complex voting system on the pain of being fined. And yet somehow we do it. There are incredible rates of formal voting and turnout on election day. So well done, Australia. Good for you and good for democracy. Claire, that's us done for another week. I hope you're resting up because you have had a huge week this week, including a little appearance on TV. 
I know, it's very fancy. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to be asked on Gruen um, on ABC TV and it was so much fun. I can't really say enough about how nice everyone was and how professional that team is. It was a really great experience. But, yeah, some rest today and then let's get ready to go for the final week of the campaign. Uh, what about you? You being on Gruen was definitely my highlight. You sh- <laughs> I'll pop a link into the episode notes if you want to catch it. There were some great comments about people being able to put a face to your laugh, Claire. So if you're wanting wanting to check it out, yeah, find the link in your episode notes. The panel were discussing election messages. Super interesting to take a look at. But as you say, we are getting ready for a big week. Lots to watch out for in this final week. Seven days to go until election day. The countdown is well and truly on. So if you have any last minute questions about the election, shoot them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. We have had an absolute blast with this Saturday podcast, Claire. We're going to have to um, put some time in the diary to talk about what we do after the election. Are we going to keep it going? Yeah, let's have a conversation about that. I reckon Kate might want in on something. (laughs) Uh, She's back from parental leave in July. Put her straight to work. Hello, Kate. I know you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to Ask the Squiz. Thanks so much for your questions. Hopefully we will keep this going. Have a great weekend. Until next time. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. As one of Australia's largest profit for member super funds, they have a range of helpful tools, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you'll need for retirement and provides an easy to understand plan of how to get there. And better still, it's free for all. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au.